Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. We're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy. Alongside with me is Corey Mitchell. And man, we have a awesome conversation ahead of you. Uh, we have on with us Christy Vanderwest Heisen. She is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at MBK Senior Living. And we're going to be talking about a number of different things. But first and foremost, I wanted just to introduce you. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. So first, I, I would love to introduce my sweet dog laying on the floor. That's a 13-year-old Cocker Spaniel, Zuma. He's probably going to be sleeping this entire time. So <laughs> I just wanted everyone to know that is Zuma in the background. He's good. He's, you know, he's a great uh, senior dog who um, will probably sleep through the whole time. So uh, my name is Christy. And my last name is probably one of the longest in the senior living industry. It's Vander Westheisen. Uh, 15 years ago, I married a wonderful South African man and took his entire last name uh, without hesitation. So that's why I have that long last name, uh, Vander Westheisen. So a couple things about me. Um, I've been in the industry for 13 years. And prior to that, I sold title insurance and real estate and did sales that way for about five years. So all in all, 18 years of um, sales and marketing experience. I know I look in my early 20s, and if you're thinking that, thank you, it's not true. Um, but- <laughs> We all were thinking yeah. <laughs> Oh, bless your heart. I'm so glad if you were, but no, it's not true. Um, but uh felt very, very um, strongly that I wanted to get in more of a, of a sales role. And I just was not fulfilled in title insurance. It was a great industry. I loved real estate. Um, I loved meeting with realtors and, and talking about title insurance, but you know, that didn't fill me, that didn't fill my love cup at all. Mm -hmm. um, the relationships did, but the product didn't. And I knew that I wanted to make a difference in this world with my career. So um, that's how I stumbled across senior living is um, my grandma um, was diagnosed with dementia. Again, this was 13 and a half years ago. And my parents were powers of attorney for her and, um, and went, they were total overachievers like their daughter, um, went to 12 places in two days. If you can believe that it's true. Like they had a stack of brochures and spread out on the kitchen table. But one thing they did say was we met 12 people that remind us of you, Christy, you should probably look into senior living because I know that you're feeling a little empty, um, selling title insurance. So that long story short, that's how I got involved in this industry was because of my grandma. Um, and we found an amazing memory care community for her um, to live for a few more years of her life. Um, and then in addition, my other grandma uh, on my uh, mom's side currently lives at an assisted living community right now. 
So, and she's a, a, a spry, almost 93 year old. And um, so I've kind of had like the, the both experiences of senior living with my grandparents. Um, and so that's brought me a lot more, I would say, intimately involved in senior living other than just making it a career that I didn't have um, personal experience with. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, that's great background. And I'm curious, you said something along the lines. So your parents kind of gave you the, the, the tap and was like, hey, you know, I think that you'd be a good fit. Walk me through why they thought that you would be a good fit. Um, ooh, I think they met people who were very interested in their story. Mm. Um, I have my degree in broadcast journalism. So I, I'm a trained curiosity professional. Yeah, I like <laughs> it's that. like everything is why. So you do it this way. Why do you do it that way? Um, tell me more about that. Why? It's I'm natural. Well, I'm also naturally curious too. Um, so I think that that is probably one of the biggest reasons why they thought I should look into this industry was they met people who were just asking more and more questions. And I unfortunately think that that uh, can be a lost art in sales um, is going rather than asking questions and finding out what's so important to the, the prospect and their family. Um, I think uh, we sometimes go on autopilot and, and myself included on that is feature dumping and saying, okay, Michael, don't you want to move here because of this, 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 and this. It's like, man, I don't even know you yet. So how would I even recommend a place um, to live and to be vibrant and to enjoy life if I don't even know what enjoying life means to you. Yeah, totally. Totally <laughs> makes sense. And like, I think the, the natural curiosity is a lost art because I think m maybe because of a number of things where kind of we're living in more of a transactional kind of day and age to where yeah. we, we, feel the need to work against competition and we need to make sure that we are the first ones to, to kind of share value. But like, um, I guess that that's a good segue into maybe your selection process of finding the best team members. Um, is that one of like the characteristics during an interview process for you saying like, hey, this person was just asking so many good questions, like, was very curious about our business, kind of walk through that selection process and give maybe a, a good template for other people to follow, especially as we're talking about it being very hard to generate and attract uh, and retain talent during yeah. these times. And I think the better that we can do um, in finding like the, the right people gives us the best opportunity to win and have stronger retention. So just tell me a little bit more about that. So uh, a long time ago, someone told me, um, people, all things being equal, people like doing business with friends, all things being unequal, people like doing business with friends. Mm -hmm. So be friendly. So that's one of our core characteristics of what we look for, um, is people that you want. Uh, so in the interview process, it's, um, getting to know one another. It's, it's almost like, I don't want to say this, but it's almost like a first date. It's like, mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about you. I'll tell you a little bit about me. 
um, and let's see if we can work together. So um, being friendly, being courteous, being on time, all of those things uh, that also can be a lost art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's more, um, yes, it's us getting to know the uh, potential director of sales, but I want them to be curious about us as a company and what our philosophy is and what our culture is. So if they come in with you know a resume and they like, say, well, I've done this, 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 and this. Don't you want to hire me? Um, I know that's an extreme example, but yeah. um, we, we probably won't hire that person because we want someone who at their core believes in doing good. And, um, and that's one of our uh, cultures at MBK is Yoi Shigoto. And Yoi Shigoto, directly translated from Japanese, if you didn't know, um, we're a Tokyo-based company and our parent company is Mitsui. So we have very, very deep Japanese roots of um, honor, taking care of our elders, um, respecting our elders. So part of our philosophy is Yoi Shigoto and it's doing the good work. And that doesn't mean just doing the good work inside the four walls of our senior living community. Mm-hmm. That is extended beyond the four walls. And so if someone um, doesn't have that innate, I want to do good, I want to do the good work, um, they might not be the right fit for our company too. I also, I also love hunter-gatherers. So people that rather than saying, oh, I don't have enough leads this week. It's like, I don't have enough leads, but I'm going to go out and get them. So it's this hunter gatherer mentality um, that I think is so important in our industry too. So um, it's finding people who have the heart for connection, for relationships, for being a friend to anyone who calls and walks in the door to someone who has that hunter gatherer mentality of, um, I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. So I'm not going to sit back and, and complain. Um, I'm going to say, wow, this is a, this is an opportunity and this is how I'm going to fix it. So it's, it's coming to the table with, um, solutions instead of just problems. Yeah, I love that. That's the so we always said hunter with the heart. So it was 80% hunter and 20% heart. Yeah. Um, and I think in today's today's senior living industry, it may be, you know, even a little bit different because you have you need real salespeople in these positions now. When maybe when you first started, it was a little bit more of, you know, more walk-ins were happening and it was easier yeah. to get move-ins per se. There wasn't as many competitors in the area and now it's so competitive that where companies are kind of growing the ones that are leaving other companies are the ones who are actually hiring and training salespeople in actual sales skills like you talked about a hunter someone who will actually go get these leads and not just sit and wait for them to come i think that's been a a big change as well um so i I do i'm curious i want to kind of hear your journey how you got to become VP of sales, if that was your goal um, when you first started and kind of just that path of you, you know, starting as community relations director, you being in that seat, um, if you ever got a community to to 100%, um, and then kind of just your journey and path of how you became 
successful and became VP of sales for MBK. Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky. I worked at a, a, an amazing uh, senior living community um, starting in 2009 as a director of uh, sales. And, and at that point, I think we called them community marketing directors or, or I, yes, community marketing directors. And that was for Integral Senior Living. Um, Integral Senior Living uh, is a mostly third-party management company based out of Carlsbad, California, but they have, they manage communities all around the country. So um, that was who hired me. And then um, I was there for about two and a half years. And one of my goals of working at, and it was called Whittier Place, and I believe it's still called Whittier Place if you want to Google it, um, but uh, we had transformed a hallway of assisted living into um, a hallway of memory care. And so I was hired to um, help fill the new memory care hallway or wing, if you will. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't really know a ton about memory care. I, all I knew is my grandma had just moved into a memory care community. Now, what that meant and what, um, what programs and what support the families would get um, I, I probably was very clueless when it came to, okay, how do you connect with someone who is usually in the midst of a crisis with a, with a loved one? Mm -hmm. um, and, and how do you move that sale forward um, with heart, but also with urgency and with an, an emphasis on safety for the potential resident? And that was a giant learning curve. Because I think um, uh, I, I understood how to sell and connect with folks um, regarding assisted living or independent living, but a memory care um, prospect and family is just going, usually going through um, a really challenging journey. So um, that was my, that was my job at the very beginning was, hey, you're now a community marketing director. And oh, by the way, we have 20 memory care apartments that we need to uh, get wonderful residents in. So that was really fun, though, to learn more about um, just what memory care meant um, and uh, what outreach and what professional relationships do I need to develop in order to get those referrals to come our way? Yeah. So that was really, that was really fun. And, but a giant learning curve, of course. So I was there for about two and a half years. Now in, I don't know, it was probably in my first few months of senior living in general. And um, my regional, uh, John Murphy, and he's still in the industry. I think he's a VP of sales out there. Um, he, he asked me what my goal was, like, what are my career plans? And I said, well, I just, I kind of want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And he said, I see a regional, um, position in your future. And I'm like, okay, well, how is that even possible? Because I just started, I'm like mid twenties. I just started. I, um, fell in love with the industry, but what it meant to be a regional, I was like, oh, that is like 
way far away. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, he said, um, I believe you could be a regional for our company. And I, little did I know he had a crystal ball because that's exactly what happened. But mm-hmm. he said, you need to um, replicate your success somewhere else, like at another community. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just be a one hit wonder. You can't go to a community, fill it up, call it a day, and then be a regional. He's like, you have to be able to go somewhere else and do the same thing. So um, two and a half years later, uh, an opportunity came to a, uh, to move. So my husband and I moved um, to, um, to a community or moved next, very close to a community um, in the Palm Springs area. And it was a very severely challenged community, severely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was like, whoo, I got my work cut out for me. This, if this doesn't prove that I'm ready for a regional position, I don't know what is. And um, it took a little while to get everything smooth, but we were just getting amazing referrals, amazing move-ins left and right. Um, and I was there for about two and a half years also when a position opened up to be a regional within a girl senior living, but it meant that my husband and I would have to move out of state. And um, we said, absolutely, let's go to Texas. So I was hired as a regional, um, moved to Texas and uh, was kind of like a new development specialist because we were um, opening up new communities all around the Midwest. Um, But little did we know that I was pregnant at the time. So we had our daughter in Texas and then an opportunity with ISL came to move back to California. So they asked if I would ever consider uh, moving back. And the answer was a resounding yes, because all of our family and friends are in California. Um, And it's hard to raise a baby when you know no one. Yeah. uh, in your area. So, um, that's how I kind of got back to California and I was still a regional with ISL and that was about a five, five years total. Um, and an opportunity came uh, around to, um, become a VP of sales and marketing. Um, and MBK, I actually didn't know a ton about, I knew people who had worked there in the past and had amazing things to say, but I didn't really know, um, but I knew Jeff Fisher, the president, um, just very casually at a, a couple of senior living events. And, um, but anyway, long story short, or long story longer, actually, mm-hmm. um, we got together and he said, hey, um, we're looking for a VP of sales and marketing. You've never been one before. So what would your first 30, 60, 90 days look like? Mm -hmm. What would your first year look like? What is your fingerprint on the organization going to look like? So it forced me to put together my action plan um, to like, what does being a first time VP look like? What do you, what do you, um, what do you look at? What do you analyze? And I put together this whole game plan um, and presented it. And a couple of weeks later, I was hired. Hallelujah. And it's been <laughs> three years, almost to the day, actually, um, that I've been with MBK. But I still look back at that document, and it's so cool. 
to go like, check, 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 check. Yep. Uh-huh. Check. <laughs> it is so cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing a lot of kind of reflection just because when you have a, a work anniversary or uh, a relationship anniversary, you kind of automatically look back at all the things that you've accomplished or challenges you've overcome. Um, and so I started looking back at my emails. I, I keep every email um, and I'm looking at day one emails from three years ago, day two, day three. And I'm kind of just going, um, I don't know, just looking back at everything we've accomplished um, as a team, because it is an absolute team. I, I, I stand firmly when I say I have the best team in the industry, um, but it's so cool to look back at the things that were we were struggling with three years ago, it's not even a thought anymore. Um, it is nailed down. Or the things that um, we really wanted to do as a team, we've accomplished that. Mm -hmm. So it's just cool to kind of look back and um, and see the, um, just the progress where we love being innovative. And that is something that Jeff, our president really um, appreciates. So when we come up with a harebrained idea, like, hey, we want to try this random whatever because Starbucks did it or Hilton did it. Um, nine times out of 10, he'll say, yeah, let's try it. So we get a lot of inspiration, not in our own industry. I love that. But yeah, we like to look at other industries. I'm sorry, that was a really long answer. No, that's but great. There's like three pieces of my career. Yeah. And um, I feel like, each piece was absolutely critical um, to achieve some of the successes that, that MBK and um, my team has accomplished. Yeah, there, I, I honestly don't even know how to ask a, an appropriate question after that because <laughs> it was so good. Like that, that story is so, and I'm serious, like it's so impactful because I think a lot of people need to have some type of blueprint to like, there's so many people in sales and marketing shoes just the directors that want to get in your position. So I think that this gives them a good outline. And like, honestly, we could probably have a separate podcast for all like the, the key talking points that you kind of alluded to. You're talking about innovation. You're talking about culture. You're talking about levels of trust, willingness to be open-minded. So like, um, I'm, I'm going to back up pretty far and then okay. I'm going to go to the conversation and I apologize. I should know this and be a better podcaster or whatever, but who was the person that you were talking to that had that initial inclination? That's like, I feel like you're going to be a, a regional. Who was that? Um, John Murphy. John Murphy. So kind of like, tell me like, what was that conversation like? And then when you were digging in, cause you were naturally curious, like why, like why me type of things? Like what were the things, were the, the things that he was seeing the same as what your parents were seeing? And did you even have that belief? I definitely did not have the belief okay. at all because I was new in the industry. Yeah. I just, I didn't even, and I honestly, I didn't even know like what being a regional meant. I actually, you know, shame on me. I was like, ooh, this job looks kind of easy. <laughs> like, as a regional, you coach and you support the teams in being successful. As a VP, my job is to help the regionals who then help the community teams and 
I help the community teams as well. But we don't do any selling. There's no exchange of community fees. There's, there's no sign here on the dotted line. There's none of that. We don't sell. Mm -hmm. We help community teams sell. And so again, naive Christy, shame on me. I was like, oh, you don't have to sell anymore. I can help you sell. Um, so I think that was a really big eye-opening moment when I, um, and the regionals who I knew, they made it look so easy. I think that's what I mean by that, is that they made it look easy. They um, knew their communities. They knew um, how to help us. Um, their coaching was seamless. So I was like, oh, I could do that. I want to do that. And um, little did I know there is this middle layer um, and specific to third-party management where the regional team is the direct uh, um, communicator with an ownership group. Mm -hmm. So that's where I feel like um, I grew some major teeth when I was with ISL as a regional team. I learned how to communicate with owners. And by the way, I probably had seven ownership groups at a time and they all want things differently or they, they all wanna feel like they're the number one priority, which I totally get. So I had to learn how to communicate with the community teams and then communicate that up to the ownership group. But then I'm held absolutely accountable to the team's success. So that's like the hidden key that I did not know that when I was at a community um, as a director of sales, I didn't see the pressure that the regionals were under. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, they're like ducks. Like everything just like rolls off their back, but you don't see their little feet. <laughs> okay, that's what a regional does. Yeah. And I didn't see that until I was in it. And I was like, oh, just because you could be successful as a director level or a director of sales at the community level does not mean you're automatically going to know everything there is to know to be a successful regional. There has to be this ability to coach and mentor and lead a team without doing the job for them. Mm -hmm. That was really challenging for me. Because it's like, how do you, you have to teach someone how to do their job, but at the end of the day, you have to walk away and let them choose to be successful or not. Yeah. That, and that was a real, yeah, that was a really hard lesson because every fiber in my being wanted to swoop in and rescue. Um, and you can't do that when you have 12, 13 communities. You have to let community teams own it themselves. Do you feel like that is kind of a gap between like when people move from sales directors to regionals, do you feel like, because I, I, this is across the board in, in any industry, you move from a, like I'm ground boots on the ground, I'm selling it to now I'm actually having to coach it. I have to be a little bit more hands-off. Yeah. Uh, it's easier to, to step in and be like, I can, I can help you with this, right. make this cost. Like, like, do you think that's a hurdle or do you think that's a challenge that, uh, regionals get into pretty quickly and how what would your piece of advice be like to to talk to a new regional to help yeah. to help them just get acclimated to the new role 
Yeah, I do think that first time regional directors of sales really do struggle with that transition from, okay, I'm doing the job to now I'm coaching the job. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, that's an absolute challenge. And, um, and it usually takes a couple misses um, to, to find your groove. One thing that I think is really important to note also from, from a regional perspective, um, and hopefully my team knows I'll say this, uh, but it's the ability to diagnose quickly. Mm. It's ability to walk into a building and start seeing, um, okay, so if we're not at high occupancy, what's the reason? Okay, so, and, and it's not diagnosing to point fingers. That's, mm. that's not at all what I'm trying to say. It's diagnosing so we could put together a comprehensive action plan in order to, um, to solve what challenges. But it's the ability to diagnose it's ability to put together a comprehensive game plan. Okay, but the key, in my humble opinion, is the ability to follow up on that game plan. Because mm. it's really easy to brainstorm, and I'm totally guilty of this, of like, oh, we could do this and this and this and this, and that'll be great. Okay, are there dates of like when that thing needs to be accomplished? Okay, if not, let's put a date down. So we know when it's happening and then we can follow up afterwards. And that's holding people accountable is also a really big um, uh, challenge, I would say for, for first time direct uh, regionals mm -hmm. because they've only had to hold themselves accountable as a community director of sales. Now you're needing to hold 10 to 12 to 15 people accountable. So A, do they know the expectations? If they don't, you need to make sure that you let them know what you expect um, and that you're holding them to those expectations. And I think we do a really big disservice to ourselves if we're not upfront with the expectations from day one of the interview process. Yeah. It's like, hey, these are our expectations for you as a director of sales. You need to do this, 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 and this in order to be successful with our company. Can you do that? Yeah. So it's curious. You said you go in and you diagnose, say there's a community that's um, not where they should be occupancy wise. And you go in and you diagnose what is going on at the community level. Is it all sales and marketing focused or is there operations involved in that as a whole? And how do you kind of go over all of that and kind of come up with a plan to move? Yeah. Forward? What does that look like? Oh yeah. It's definitely not just sales and marketing focused. It's not, um, it's not that at all. It really is a comprehensive um, plan and look at, okay, what are our biggest obstacles? What are uh, my favorite question to, to diagnose uh, is what's the word on the street about your community? Mm. I love that question <laughs> because, yeah. yeah, because your, your nurse will tell you something, your ED will tell you something, your director of sales. I mean, Everyone will tell you something and you kind of put those pieces together and go, okay, so word on the street is we um, aren't able to take care of high acuity residents, but that's not the case. So what's our action plan to make sure people know that yes, we can absolutely take care of folks that need extra levels of care. 
Do we need to have the social workers and case managers uh, as part of a, whether it's a Zoom webinar or in person, if your county allows it? Um, do we need a collateral piece? Do we need an e-blast? What, like, what do we need? And then we, then we talk about the next word on the street. And then, okay, what's our action plan with that? But it's absolutely not just sales and marketing. Um, we're really lucky at MBK. We have a, a kind of a, a, a one-to-one um, partnership. So we have a regional salesperson and a regional ops person. There's, there's not a lot of like, this person works with this person who works with this person. It's like a one-to-one. Mm. So a lot of times we'll do joint visits together. And so the sales and the operations are hearing the same thing. They can also be more collaborative with um, what the action plan is for, um, uh, for the team. Gotcha. So uh, with MBK, are you guys, what, where are you guys trying to be at in the market? Are you like, as far as pricing goes, are you top of the market? Are you middle market? Where are you guys trying to be at? Um, we're not top, but we're, we're almost top. Okay. And you, are yeah. you guys levels of care or are you all, yes. all inclusive? Um, mostly levels of care. Um, it depends on the market. Some of our markets, for example, memory care, every single community is all inclusive in the market. So we'll, um, that'll dictate the way we, we price in that market. Um, but for the most part, we're levels of care. So it's rent plus levels of care. Yeah. And, and kind of where we want to be. So we're at 34 communities right now, just on the Western United States. Um, our goal in the next five or 10 years um, is to be a hundred communities. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I imagine our footprint will, will definitely, Definitely increase to not just the Western United States. Yeah. So that, I'm assuming that that's going to come from a decent amount of acquisitions plus new builds. What is there? You know, you know, what's crazy is we don't do any new development. So we just acquire communities. Yep. Um, is there a you know, I, I keep like prodding. Okay. Cause I have a lot of new development experience and so does our entire team. Um, but at this point, we're happy with doing um, acquisitions of communities that have already been built and um, might need a little TLC. So, so we come in and bring the MBK secret sauce. And I would be curious to to know, like, what are you telling people when you do acquire kind of a, maybe a, a not the prettiest one in the shed? You're more kind of talking value. Like, yeah, are you coaching up the sales team when? their that's their role now yeah um oh that's a really interesting question it, okay so it kind of goes back on something that i learned um with working with isl for 10 years and that is love everything that your community is and that it isn't mm. and so it's finding your community's why um and and honestly if we're selling the four walls of our communities, like, oh, look how pretty this is and look at how pretty that is. And we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. We're doing it wrong. Yeah. So focusing on those intangible things is, is how you connect with people and how you move the sale forward. So it might be a beaten up community. And of course, we're going to come in and, and, Obviously, people want to live in a nice community that smells good and looks good. Of course, we're going to bring that MBK touch to the community. 
Um, but it's what are we truly selling? Yeah. And it's, it's lifestyle, it's quality of life, it's care, it's, again, it's peace of mind. That's what we sell and connect to. All the other stuff is like gravy. Yeah. Um, we also, but I, I will be honest, we also only um, uh, acquire class A communities. So we're not going into communities that are, <laughs> you know, like broken down. Yeah. Um, but I have done that in the past. Yeah. Um, but it, truly, it um, we want to bring a value add to a community that's already pretty dang good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's good. I mean, we. We worked at a, a pretty nice one here in Roswell. And honestly, that's one way that I really like to, to start off the tour is just be able to say like, you know, take it in, you know, kind of really look at all the surroundings and like be thankful that it is a great aesthetically pleasing place. Cause I think that if it looks good, you feel good type of thing. Oh but yeah. Know, know that it's, it's this, this isn't what it's, it is going to be, you know, it's yeah. you, the aesthetics, will fade, but the genuine, the dignity, the honor, the things that you're talking about, the culture is what's going to eventually surface and what's the most important because we're ultimately talking about maybe the most important decision that a, a, an older adult can, can make in their lifetime. And so uh, we were talking about this a little bit, and this is kind of throwing like uh, you may be for a loop here. So, you know, if what makes MBK such a trustworthy place to where I would feel comfortable putting my mom in that community and, and vice versa for you? Like what makes it to where like without a shadow of a doubt, I know that they're going to be taken care of and loved on. It, it could be talking culture or anything, but just take that however you want. You should feel it the second you walk in the door. You are our priority. Mm. That, that's end of the end of story yeah um like we again talking about yoi shigoto that is in every decision that we make as a company yeah. is it the right is it the right decision and um i think you feel that the second you walk in the door i agree there there's nothing that replaces that i, I know we're in a virtual world now and it's good to do virtual tours on FaceTime and Google Duo and Zoom, whatever. You don't exactly get the feeling of like walking in the doors and going, okay, they've got my back. All right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a challenging place to be right now because I kind of feel like we're, we're going back a little bit to... April, 2020 and May, 2020 of we're starting to have, um, cases, COVID cases pop up and local health departments shutting certain things down. Um, and so it does feel a little bit, um, tumultuous right now. Um, so my role truly is to keep our sales team motivated, motivated, cared for, um, uh, heard. And if there's something that we can do from a home office perspective to make their job easier or better or more fulfilling, we want to know. Yeah. Because again, I'm just a cost. 
to the company. The community teams are who make it happen. And so I want to make sure that like I prove my worth by helping them be successful. Yeah, that's a super humble approach. That's awesome, Christy. Yeah, so uh, I know we only have a couple of minutes left. I, I want to dive into some, some actual sales stuff. So you said as somebody walks into the community and they have that feeling of, you know, this is a no-brainer, this is what it is. What are you actually teaching? Is it you're teaching your sales team to do certain things? Is it the culture in general, you know, the front desk person? What, what is it exactly that you guys are teaching specifically that would stand out differently from other places when someone walks in to your community? Okay, so all of the above, but gotcha. um, of course we have great concierge training um, and, and really hire our best salespeople as concierge team members. Um, but we, if we know you're coming, we have a welcome sign with your name on it. Um, beautifully designed right at the front desk, framed. Um, we make sure that you are just feeling like you're, you are expected. Even if you're walking in for the first time, we don't know you're coming in. Our goal is to make you feel like we've been expecting you. Mm -hmm. um, a couple other things I did not mention. I have, um, I've worked for um, Holland America Line. So I've worked on cruise ships and I've worked for Disney Channel and Disneyland. So um, many moons ago, uh, that was in my very early 20s though. Mm -hmm. um, and so this idea of um, this hospitality that oozes out of every single thing um, is part of our process too. And so we want every single person to feel like they're expected, even if they're not warmly welcomed, a friendly face, a smile. We even have buttons that our team members wear that says, um, uh, trust me, I'm smiling. Uh, because, you know, we're all wearing masks, you can't tell. Uh, but hopefully they can tell through the eyes. But truly, we should be prepared for someone new to walk in our community every single day. Because that's how Disney did it, is it's going to be someone's first time at Disneyland every day what's that experience like? It should be magical. And that's the same thing that, that we train our team on is creating that magic. That's, that's so great. I'm always like anybody that's listening to this that knows me, um, we're in Atlanta. So very Chick-fil-A oriented. Ooh, yeah. Anybody that knows me, I talk literally all about Chick-fil-A culture, and but Disney is, is known for that as well. And I've noticed, I've noticed that the first time that I came was like, they greeted you. They were excited. It's almost like you, you're you not being reactive. You're being proactive to it and assuming that they're going to have questions. They're going, it's yep. a big part. So that's cool that you're incorporating that. And I really love the fact that you just said some of our best salespeople are in the first impressions, because I don't think that that's necessarily the approach that most people will take. I think right. maybe people are just trying to kind of fill a seat, if you will. Um, yep. Yeah. So who, who's that first person that you're talking to? And then who's the last person that you're talking to? Yep. It's, it's that one person and they can, they can make or break a first impression or a lasting impression. I couldn't agree more. I think if I could wave a magic wand and, and say that there's one thing that we really should focus on as an industry, as a whole, from my experience um, would be the concierge and the, just the initial capturing the incoming phone call 
and being able to give our customers the right information and book a tour right then and there. Um, and then when they do come into tour, that first impression, I think that's where we have one of the most, like where we could actually step up as a industry as a whole. Um, your thoughts on that. And then if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the industry or that you would, or that you see something in the future that you see where the industry is going um, that you want to touch on as far as, you know, capturing customer leads or, you know, just what you think the future is of going to getting new customers? Ooh, that's a loaded <laughs> question too. Uh, okay, so yeah, the concierge, 100% critical for success. If you have, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't, a very unhappy person at the front desk welcoming people or saying goodbye to people, um, that's really going to impact your bottom line. It just is. So you got to have your friendliest, happiest person that's just as the sun, sunshine, pure sunshine. Yeah. Um, okay, where I see the industry going, I hope to be an integral part of it, truly. I, you will be, too. I, <laughs> I, I know that for a fact. Okay, I see. Um, it's cool because... I, I, I see a lot of innovators that are entering the space and wanting to impact it in a positive way. So that excites me. Mm. Like we get to be a part of like changing this industry for the better. That is so stinking cool. Um, I see it morphing into very similar to Holland America or, um, or Disney or Ritz Carlton um, into more of a hospitality feel. Um, and yes, I think care is still going to be a huge part of it, but I think it will morph into more of a hospitality model. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm betting, um, on. And so I'm trying to do my best to, to learn, um, and grow in the, what does that, what does hospitality look like? How do you train your line staff to, to be super bought into great customer service and hospitality? Like I'm actively seeking out ways um, because I want to be a part of that change. That's awesome. That's uh, so cool. And then last question, because we're two minutes and I want to respect your time here, but the rumor mill has it. So I have on good sources that you are a huge Tom Brady fan. Oh, yes, I am. So, so Tom Brady walks up to you and says, I, uh, I want to, to work in senior living, or I don't even know how to answer, ask this question, but I want to work at MBK. Where do you feel like he would be best suited? And what type of things would he bring to the industry that we're not currently doing right now? Oh my God. I just asked it, maybe the worst question possible, but I just felt like I had to ask that. He, okay, we would make a position for him. He would be okay. like chief Tom Brady officer. No, just chief goat. Chief <laughs> um, so as chief goat, he has this crazy ability well, number one, he works harder than anyone out there. 
And I feel like just seeing him be himself, like would make everyone else want to be better. Um, I don't know. He would be chief motivating goat and uh, he would be in charge of making sure everything happened at full capacity. I love it. Like the <laughs> ultimate culture changer. He demands excellence, I think, is what he would do at any company, just like you see him do. I, I try to be a little bit like him. Um, I mean, we we absolutely do demand excellence at, at MBK. I mean, make no mistake, we have fun, we celebrate everything. Um, but you gotta you gotta strive for excellence um in order for that to happen. And so yeah, make no mistake. I, I look at Tom Brady as a as a big um unofficial mentor. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I love it. I knew we'd get a, a good answer out of that. And so um, I'm glad I actually asked you. So, so call me Tom. I'll, I have a position for you when you're ready to retire. I'll yeah, tag Tom. him in LinkedIn. I'm sure they'll respond. Yeah. Chief Goat is Chief waiting Goat for you. <laughs> well, Christy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Real quickly, if you could just say, you know, where people can reach you um, if you want people to go through MBK or to LinkedIn or whatever. Um, for people who want to reach out to you and ask you questions, uh, really appreciate you coming on and talking with us today and giving your insight. It's been absolutely amazing. So appreciate it. Absolutely. So people can reach me, uh, obviously on LinkedIn, just search my name, but I believe it's linkedin.com backslash Christy VDW. Yeah. Um, my email address is my entire name, Christy Vander Westhuizen at mbk.com. And then my phone number is 949-242-1413. So you can reach me there. And out her phone number. Awesome. That's amazing. Not, not every VP of sales will do that. So that's that's amazing. Thank you. For Seriously. That. I mean, if people have questions, I'm happy. I feel like we as an industry can rise together. Yes, it's a competitive landscape, but I do believe in sharing best practices um, so if anyone has questions on anything I talked about, I'm happy to share. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We will, um, we'll put all of the, the notes and everything in the, um, the show notes section of the podcast and I don't know, like subscribe, do whatever you, you do with audio podcasts. Um, but Christy, thank you so much. We will, uh, we'll conclude, but thank you for listening to our second 100 club podcast. Thanks guys.